All right, welcome to Rock Vegas, everybody. It's Glenn Rockney, and not just Glenn Rockney today. Uh, if you listened to the Autumn Wind podcast that I was on um, earlier, uh, well, a few days ago, right? What was, was that Friday, Mike? I think that was Friday. Saturday. It's been a day. Oh, was it Saturday? Oh, yeah, I know. It was like yesterday. Yeah, it was Saturday. So we did a little preview episode. Uh, Mike and I, and, I, and I'm here with uh, the Autumn Wind podcast host, Mike Corey. What's going on, man? Glenn, I'm happy to be here. You know, it was a tough day, but certainly a lot to uncover. And there's nobody I'd rather do it with than you here on this beautiful Sunday night. Wonderful. Thank you for celebrating a loss with me. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> the uh, no. So today the Raiders lost. They lost um, in Allegiant Stadium to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, John Gruden's former team. It was 45 to 20. Um, if you did not catch the game today and you looked at the box score, you'd be like, wow, the Raiders got whooped. And it, look, for about eight minutes, they got whooped. And uh, it, was, it was closer, right? Wasn't it, wasn't it closer than, than the box score? Truthfully, I don't think the box score was indicative of how close the game was. And you kind of had alluded to it. You know, the Raiders jumped to a 7 nothing start, fell behind, and really brought it close to 24-20 in the fourth quarter. But as we know, this defense can't stop a nosebleed. And no. Brady dropped 21 unanswered points late in the game. And you wake up, and all of a sudden, it's 45-20. to 20, And the game's a long shot. So, you're right. I don't think it was uh, quite the blowout that the score would indicate. But at the end of the day, uh, it is what it is. And the Raiders uh, took it on the chin today. Oh, man. No, it's exactly what it was. And, and it's weird because it, it seems like that's how a lot of Raiders' losses are. You know, like I, you'll, you'll talk to your buddies at work. They'll be like, hey, man, what happened? Like, what happened in that Raider game? You're like, hey, look, I, I know we lost by 25, but, like, there were, like, two or three moments in the game where it could have swung the other way. Were yeah. there any moments in that game to you that were, like, this was key? You know, like, this was key in – it could have swung in either way. It was a momentum shifter. But quite honestly, I actually thought the momentum was shifting in the direction of the Raiders when you look at they were driving, and the Bills – excuse me, the Bills. The Buccaneers had two consecutive penalties. One, and negated an interception. Shaquille Barrett was offsides. They picked off a car. It didn't count. And then they had another penalty. I don't remember off the top of my head what it was. The Raiders ultimately scored on that drive, and I'm starting to think, finally, the autumn wind is blowing, right? It's the Battle yeah. of the Pirates, and the Raiders seem to, to get, get ready to pull it out. But the defense just can't capitalize on any sort of momentum. And, and I think, really, uh, when the Raiders brought it in within 24-20, they were within striking distance. But the fact that they really couldn't capitalize on anything – after that in my estimation was the biggest turning point in the whole game if there was a turning point yeah no I 100 percent and you know to me I, I'd say like a couple things that stood out to me is like the the just early in the game right you you, you see him you see the game get getting kind of crazy you see it's going to be kind of a shootout and Gruden does a fake punt right early in the game yeah you're like, man, okay, this is going to be that type of game. Let's go. Shootout. Let's go. Gunslinger, Wild Wild West. Love it. And, you know, then, then you see later in the game, right, you get, you get fourth and one, right, in the red zone. And I, I want to say that was – was that early fourth quarter? You know what I mean? Where, where, they're, where the Raiders are in the yeah. red zone. Waller runs kind of a out, doesn't get the yardage he needs. I think it was fourth and one or fourth and two. But it was like, you know, not, not something that you should go after. And all his Raider fans were saying, look, I don't want right. Tom Brady to have a chance to be up two scores on the Raiders because two scores is a lot. And that moment in the game, yeah. plus the third and 13 
on third down. I don't even have to go over to the play. Ronald Jones, or I want to say it was either Jones or Fournette. I can't remember. It was just a check down on third and 13. Raiders yeah, had a I think it was Fournette. Yeah, okay. It was Fournette. Yeah. Gotcha. So Fournette catches just a little dump off pass, right? That's something you clean up for seven yards and that you get the ball back, right? And you're down four. And it's just certain things like that. Like we talked about it on your podcast it, on the Autumn Wind. Shout out at the uh, was it at Autumn Wind Pod? Is that what I have it on Twitter? That's correct. At Autumn Wind Pod. At yep. Autumn Wind Pod. Uh, make sure everybody subscribed to that and everything. We we were talking about it. It's like there's certain things that are momentum shifters in the game, or certain things where you can control some damage. You're like, look, we're down four points. Get this ball back. Whatever happens, happens. But they just let everything unravel. You know, Glenn. I played football a long time and I'm sure most of our listeners did as well. And, and there is a psychological aspect to playing football and it's called momentum. And Mr. Momentum changes jerseys throughout the course of a game. Now Gruden's done some good things and he's done some bad things. Credit to Gruden and the Kansas city game. He went for it on fourth down multiple times. And when you look at the analytics and you look at the Raiders success on fourth down, it's very high. You saw it today with the fake punt to Jeff Heath. With that said, Gruden had a more aggressive mindset on the road in Kansas City, and it played dividends. But on the flip side of that, in New England and against Buffalo, Gruden was very conservative, kicking field goals, punting the ball, so on and so forth. When you're playing an offense as hot as Tampa Bay was today, you have to go for it. Because in that situation, rather than 20 to 24, we're looking at a lot closer game. And I think a touchdown gets the psychology going, gets the momentum going in the defense. We kick a field goal, it's a little more lukewarm, and we really never came back into the game after that. You're right, exactly. And, and what's the worst-case scenario if you don't get that fourth down? It's not as bad. It's not much worse than you were by kicking the field goal, right? Like, that's just what the Absolutely. analytics say. And Gruden swears he has an analytics department, swears he has all that. I swear, <laughs> it's, a, it's a paper shredder he feeds it. Here, here's my analytics right. department right here, and it's just gobbling up the paper. That's always what I've thought. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I, it's – it's one of those things. And in every loss they've had this year, they've had those moments. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the Bills game and, and Patriots game with Jacobs fumble in the red zone. Bills game with Waller's fumble in the red zone. It always seems to be kind of a red zone thing, don't you think? Well, that was really the big difference, I think, uh, in terms of 2019 when we talked about red zone offense. If you look at the 2019 offense, we were top 10 in yards, and I think we were 24th in scoring. Yeah. Now, we've done a much better job in 2020 – and we're three and three after a very tough schedule. So there are a lot of silver linings in regards to it, but you're absolutely right. I think the great teams capitalize in the red zone with seven points, the mediocre to the bad teams end up with three. And today, when you look back at it, that really hurt us because we kicked the field goal in the first half and we kicked the field goal late into that game. That's 14 points versus six points. That could change the whole trajectory of the entire game. No, I, I, you're exactly right. And I think a lot of fans, what they like to do when you see – good offensive offensive efficiency and not with the lack of scoring, right? Lack of points per game. You tend to think, okay, this is a car thing. I'm not so sure it was. How do you, how do you think car played today? Cause I, I'm, I'm convinced he played well enough to win a game. If you have a competent defense, what do you think? The car played well enough to win the game. The entire offense outside of the running game played well enough to win the game. I think there's a couple of things that really stick to me. And you and I talked about it on Saturday and it came to, to fruition again. It's a turnover differential and getting after the quarterback. When you look at this game, the Bucks sacked Carr three times today. The Raiders, zero sacks. Turnover. The Buccaneers forced an interception on Carr. Once again, this defense had zero turnovers. I, I said it on Saturday. I'm going to say it again for everybody out there watching. I am lukewarm on Carr. I think you said it nicely. 
he is as good as his weapons are. And quite frankly, he has some pretty good weapons this yeah. year. And Carr is playing well. Carr is playing well. But when you've played six games and five out of the six games, your defense has given up 30-plus points, that's not a recipe for success. And quite honestly, I'm relieved that we're at 500 after six games because this defense regressed from 2019, which is hard to do. But somehow Yikes. they found a way to get work than they did last year. Yeah. Well, because last year they were stopping the run. And, and we'll get to that in a sec. I, I will get to yeah. the defense in a sec. But, um, no, I, I'm with you on that. Like, I think Carr – I think what people realize is they get too Raider-centric with everything. They compare Carr just to what he was last year and stuff. Look around the league. I just – I was flipping back and forth between the 49er game. And I'm watching Jimmy G, and I'm going, he's not playing better than Derek Carr. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm watching guys yeah. like they're not playing better than Derek Carr. But you watch the good team building on defense, good defensive coordinator, good coaching – for the Niners and, and plenty of other teams like that. And, and you start wondering like, okay, we want Carr to play elite, but he doesn't have to, you have to build, you have to have that coaching. And, and when I, when I, if you look at Gruden's press conference, I don't know if you, if you had a chance to check out Gruden, Gruden's post game today, he was very, I, I wouldn't say cryptic because it kind of sounded like writing was on the wall for Paul Gunther. But what do you think? I mean, do you, do you think the change, if Gruden were to get rid of Gruden and Mayock, whoever makes the call gets rid of, Gunther, do you think that really makes a huge impact on this defense? I'm going to put it to you like this. I think a lot of the uh, the Twitter uh, chat, uh, some hit it on the head, some they're way far off, but I'm going to put it like this. Who is going to replace Paul Gunther in the middle of the season? It's going to be Rod Marinelli. Yeah. How's Rod Marinelli's unit performing so far this season? Quite honestly, Rod Marinelli's unit is probably the reason why we're bad on defense this year when you talk about through – Six games, we've had, what, seven? Just not going to get it done. I hear Wade Phillips, things like that. You can't make that drastic of a scheme change midseason. So can it get any worse than it is? No, it really can't. So if, if Gruden decides to pull the plug on Gunther, I get it. But quite honestly, whatever he does, it's going to be an interim position. We're going to have to overhaul the defense again going into 2021. And I don't care what record we finish with, 12-4, and 8-8, eight and 7-9. Eight, and nine. This defense is bad. We don't get after the quarterback. We don't force turnovers. And quite honestly, we don't even tackle that well. It's bad across the board. But if you ask me right now, Mike, do you get rid of Paul Gunther? I think you do. It, it can't get any worse. It, it really cannot get any worse. If you continue to play bad, it's a continuation of, of what you've been doing. But at least you try to change it up a little bit because I don't think it's going to get any better. You look at our net with the thumb injury. This, this D-line, I mean, is David Irving really going to spice it up yeah. if he gets into the lineup? He may contribute a little bit, but we're, we're way far off. I think it's time to pull the plug on, on Gunther. We'll see if Gruden uh, mans up and does it. But if you're asking me if I have the hat on, I think I pull the plug at this point. Yeah, I, I was going to try really hard to be a contrarian there, but I think I agreed with everything you said. The Yeah, um, yeah I mean, look, you know, it's not, you should be able to tell. I think if, you're, if you know a thing or two about a thing or two, you should be able to tell when you see this Paul Gunther defense Yes, you're right. It's not going to turn into even a league average defense overnight, but there might be some subtle improvements. Maybe some more turnovers get forced, right? Um, you, you get like, I, I, there was a play in this game and, and I think it was in the first half where I'm looking and it was, a, I think it was a third down conversion. You see like clue and furl just flailing his arms in coverage and I'm going, what's going on here? You know what I mean? I understand that he has, he's been underperforming as a pass rusher, but I don't think his strength was ever coverage. And Gruden seems to do these kind of creeper blitzes where they constantly bring four, but it's LaMarcus Joyner, like rushing, which, okay, that hasn't been effective. I don't think he has a sack since he's been with the Raiders. And then 
you have Cleland Furl dropping off in coverage, still rushing four, and it's supposed to be the super confusing thing for a quarterback. The quarterbacks never look confused. It's funny you brought that up. As you said that, I vividly remember the Monday night game against New Orleans. It's uh-huh. a third and long, and we have Nevin Lawson lined up as a stand-up edge rusher in a third and long situation against the starting right tackle in the NFL. That's, and we talk yeah. about schematics. I mean, I get it. Is this an all-star team on defense? Absolutely not. There are some personnel issues. But when you talk about Gronkowski lined up one-on-one on Nevin Lawson in the red zone, I mean, that's like – it's like Anthony Davis getting guarded by Earl Boykins. Yeah. It's a no-brainer. There are schematic issues. There are, are certainly personnel issues. But I think we're just – coaching is not getting it done. And I hate to – you know, I try to defend coaching. I try not to be the uh, the fair weather fan, but at this point, it, it's pretty blatantly obvious that it, it's just not getting it done from from no. a coaching standpoint. No, it's it's not. Um, and like you said, like there there might not be huge improvements, but you might get incrementally better. And we'll take anything we get, right? As yeah. as Raider Nation, we'll take anything we get. If that is just an uptick slightly in turnovers. Maybe a few more sacks. Like, I know Rod Marinelli is going to play the Tampa 2 if he were to come in, and it's going to be kind of like – I think he's going to have the D linemen playing more to rush the pass rather than yeah. than being these kind of edge-setting kind of like cinder blocks out there, you know, nobody gets by me type situation. But then you start realizing all these teams realize they can get whatever they want because they're never going to get touched, right? And there are personnel issues, right? Like we saw it today. There was a um, – you know, I, I, I was getting kind of crazy with it on Twitter today, but I, I don't – I'll take back anything I said, but uh, Devin, Devin White, Devin White was incredible right. today. He was incredible. Like what? I mean, everybody saw the last play where Carr tried to run outside. That was just effort on effort that had to happen. And Devin White won. Nobody's shocked there, but um, you're looking at Cleveland Furl, the person picked before him, Devin White made it be known, let it be known on Twitter this week that he wasn't happy with that happening. But like, I see a lot of fans trying to <coughs> defend Cleveland Furl against Devin yeah. White, but it's like, it's things like that where it's like, look, you could change defensive coordinators, but if we're not bringing in the premier talent, then what? how much does a coordinator improve it? I, you know, what do you think on that? There's the meme from that 2019 draft night when we called Cleveland Furl, and it's, it's the guy making the play yes. Like, what the hell? Nah. If that was me. It sounds like that was you. Now that, that was a lot of us. And unfortunately, as good of a draft class as that was in 2019, and it was a good one. Look at Abram, obviously Josh Jacobs, Jared Mullen's been decent. Look at Hunter Renfro and Foster Moreau, so on and so forth. It's yeah. a pretty good draft class, but anytime you miss in the top five, it sets you back. You cannot miss in the top five. When I think back about that draft class, and unfortunately I didn't have the podcast around back then, but if I did, you would hear me raving about guys like Devin White and Josh Allen and, and Devin Bush, who unfortunately tore his ACL, but he's been phenomenal. Yeah. There's probably five different defenders that I would have taken before Cleveland Furrow. I think Cleveland Furrow was a late first round to yeah. second round talent. We took him in the top five. It was a bad, it was a whiff. It was a flat out whiff. And that's why I tell everybody just pump the brakes a little bit on the Mayock praise. Cause that was a bad one. That, and it, it wasn't even, it was so obvious of how much of a reach that was. And unfortunately it's rearing its ugly head. I mean, the guy's just been a complete no show. Six games, zero sacks is just not going to get it done. No, not at all. Um, and it, and I, I've said it on this podcast before. I think Cleveland Farrell is going to play like 15 years in the league. 
He's going to be one of those guys that's always going to have a role on a team, but then you're going to be like, oh, man, he turned into like Josh Morrow, you know what I mean, later in his career, just kind of like that edge-setting kind of guy. And, and you re- you're going to be like, yeah, that guy's decent. And then you're like, oh, man, the Raiders picked that guy in the top five, you know what I mean, like a long time ago. Like, ah, I always thought he was going to be like that guy. But it's not just him. Malik Collins, nothing. You know what I mean? Absolutely nothing. I think he got in the backfield once today. That just looked like a blown play by, by Tampa, um, where him and Joyner, I believe, got uh, Ronald Jones in the backfield. Max Crosby, look, he's had sacks this year. But my critique of Max Crosby is he doesn't win yeah. early, right? He doesn't win early in the play. A lot of his sacks are effort and hustle and kind of coverage sacks. That's all, how a lot of them are, unless he's going against the team's third tackle. You know what I mean? Then he wins. And look, yeah. he's a fourth-round pick. I, I, he's on the great, a good trajectory for where he was drafted. So we do have to take draft position in, yeah. in, a, in a thing like that. But I, I just wonder um, – I, I just wonder – like you said, I think you brought up a great point. Rod Marinelli taking over this defense, his unit is the weakness. You know, yeah. like I, I, I don't know. Is there anything? Is there anything we can be excited about about this about this defensive line at all? Do you think anything's going to change? The only silver lining I'll tell you is let's see what we got in David Irving. I mean, I think you alluded to it last time when you're a pass rusher. It's generally something you you don't forget. I mean, you can yeah. kind of come off the streets and contribute. I'm not saying he's going to turn around our entire defense, but he could contribute. And in my estimation, and I'm sure everybody would agree, Mulhurst needs to be our starting three technique. He has severely outplayed Malik Collins in a much more limited role. In fact, he was the only person to even touch Brady today. Brady's jersey would have been completely clean right. if it wasn't for that one Mulhurst got on him. If, if I had the headset on and I had that decision-making power, it's way above my pay grade. But if I did have that decision-making power, I would start with – inserting more Hurst into the, into the starting lineup. Is that going to change our fortunes? It's not, but I think it'll help. No, he's, he's been, he's been great. Um, analytically, he's like a, he's just a darling of all the analytics places. Everybody's like, this guy need this guy is very good. And he's one, another one of those guys, if the Raiders were to not bring him back, I could totally see him being great for another team. You know, just the way a lot yeah. of uh, defenders have been, you know, for that since leaving Shelby the Raiders. Harris. Shelby, Shelby Harris, Danico and Autry still yeah. very good. You know what I mean? Guys like that. Even, Autry, I, yeah. Yeah, even DJ Hayden played average football when he left, <laughs> left the Raiders. It was weird. Benson Maiola. How about Benson Maiola? Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, guys leave. Look, we're, the problem is with the Raiders, they ask everybody to be the guy. And then when they, they end up drafting these yeah. guys like Cleveland Farrell, I can see Cleveland Farrell being like a decent base defender on like an elite defense. The problem is, is he was drafted to yeah. replace Cleo Mack. I won't believe any other story otherwise. And so, <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, but anyways. We're getting very negative here. Silver linings. There's the positives. There are yeah. positives. Silver linings from today. <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. Tell me. Silver linings. Make me happy. Talk me off the ledge. Silver lining. I'm going to talk you off the ledge. I'm going to talk Raider Nation off the ledge. Think about it like this. We arguably just came off of the toughest back-to-back stretch we're going to have all season. Right. And we beat Kansas City on the road. Kansas City and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are arguably two of the best top five teams in the entire league. And we split them. One and one. The fact that we are three and three with as tough of a schedule as we've had. Listen, Cleveland, are they five and two? Yes, that's a very beatable five and two team. The Denver Broncos are a dumpster fire. The LA Chargers are a really young team and they're banged up. We're, we're still going to play. That's four games right there across four games. the Broncos and the Chargers. And we already proven that we could beat Kansas City. So we're three and three. It's a seven game playoff now. It, 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 there's an extra wild card team. I actually feel very optimistic because. The back end of the schedule is a lot lighter. You talk about playing a Jets team. That's a real dumpster fire. The Atlanta Falcons are really bad. 
even the Miami Dolphins with a rookie quarterback in Tua, there's going to be a lot of low-hanging fruit to come later in the season. Right. Our offense is good enough to carry us through games like that. They're not good enough to carry us through games where we're playing an elite defense. And that's what we ran into today. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers front seven is a buzzsaw. And an O-line on a short week with no practice essentially really struggled. And that, that, that was certainly evident. But in terms of the positive, staying positive, we're 3-3. Three and three. We're right at 500 in the thick of the wild card race. After a very tough start to the season, we get guys healthy. Hopefully we get Trent Brown back. Jonathan Abram will be back. Hopefully Damon Arnett, Richie Incognito, guys like that. Because when we're at full go, we can be a pretty good football team. And we saw yeah. that in Kansas City. No, you're exactly right. And I'd like to add to that, it was a weird week. I'm not trying to use it as an excuse. It was yeah. a weird week. No, it was. It was a yeah. weird week. And I thought the Raiders would be able to under- overcome it and stuff. And like I said, there was there a couple big plays away. A couple missed turnovers, right, today. Look at Trayvon Mullen makes that interception in the red zone. Who knows what happens, right? Early in the game, Rob Gronkowski fumbled. Right. The Raiders somehow fall on that ball. Who knows what happens, right? There's a lot of things that could happen. Yeah. Every single game, every Absolutely. loss has had a few bounces, a few things that could have happened. Could have happened. It wasn't like last year when the Raiders would play the Minnesota Vikings and just get trounced. You know what I mean? Like, like we're just never in the game. You know what I mean? They haven't had yeah. a game that yet so that's what i say and at the beginning of the year when i saw that schedule and i said if you had me three and three after the bucks game i'm fine sign me up let's go you know what i mean there are some and i won't call them softballs because I told the, raiders, the raiders have not proven they can hit softballs yet unfortunately you know what i mean there is no easy win there's no guarantee <laughs> lock it in win i yeah. want to say there is i want to they'll be favored in some of those some of these games but none of them are guaranteed wins yeah but six of the last eight games indoors right Derek Carr struggles in cold weather yeah. six of the last eight games mm-hmm. indoors the two game the one game that's out one of the games is outdoors is my or i'm sorry miami's at home it's jets right and look jet. you're playing you're playing yeah. against literally the worst team in football so like there's right. Definitely, uh, it's set up to win at the back end. Now, that's not saying that the Raiders will capitalize on that, and the Raiders have un- underperformed against teams like that. But three and three is not a death sentence, right? Maybe they do. Maybe the defense gets a little spark if they were to fire Paul Gunther, right? So you know, as far as as far as Raider fans, I, it was a bad loss, but it was a non-conference loss, non-division loss. They played one division game. They're one and zero in the division, and you know, three and three, it's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna when we look at who needs to perform in order for us to be successful your best players have to play well and I think that's something that's a little bit challenging for us right now when we look at this game so it's funny Bruce Arian Bruce Arians referenced us as having a big three who's our quote-unquote big three it's Darren Waller Henry Ruggs and Josh Jacobs now two out of that three really did not have a very good game. I'm going to run through the stats here really quickly. I have it up in front of me. Darren Waller played well. Darren Waller looking at it, six receptions, 50 yards, and a touchdown. I'll take that 10 times out of 10 because we are kind of a receiver by committee type of offense. But the two uh, Alabama guys really didn't have great games, not necessarily to the fault of their own. But looking at Henry Ruggs, two receptions, 35 yards, and he had a jet sweep for 10 yards. For me – Three targets is not enough for Henry Ruggs. I mean, you saw what he did in the open field today. The guy is special. Gruden has to get more creative. Watch your buddy Andy Reid over in Kansas City. They get very creative in finding ways to get Tyreek Hill the ball. I defended Gruden last week only because I said, hey, this is Ruggs' first game back healthy. I get it. He wants to slowly get him in. But, hey, you got to take the Corvette out of the garage and let it fly. And then Josh Jacobs, he's had some tough sledding. He had some very tough sledding, in fact. He had a 1.7 yards per carry, 17 rushing yards. It's tough. 
But when you look at the stats, anytime Josh Jacobs runs for over 20 carries, we generally win the game. He only had 10 carries today because we fell behind. We got to get Josh Jacobs going. And I think when we talk about the offensive line not being able to practice, that showed today. The offensive line really struggled in the run game. Is We just got stuffed every mm-hmm. single game. So to sum up my thoughts, Jacobs, Ruggs, and Waller have to be integral parts of our success every single week if we are going to be great because all three of those guys could be pro bowlers in this league, but we need them to bring it every single day. And we need Gruden, the so-called offensive guru, to find ways to get them going in order for us to win. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. Um, it, it's uh, like next week, Cleveland. Cleveland's next week, and I won't get too far into it because I usually yeah. do previews before this, and I'm sure you're going to do the same thing. But the uh, with Cleveland, they're struggling as well, right? Today they got a win against Cincinnati, but they were – I mean, there were times in that game they were going to lose that game. I had that game on, on my computer while I was watching the, uh, the morning games. I, I saw them. I'm like, this is a team that's also struggling. They're going to be playing some teams that have the same problems as the Raiders, right? They've played a gauntlet. You know what I mean? Like the, the schedule has been like I, Carolina, right? We all thought Carolina would be in the mix for Trevor Lawrence. You know what I mean? And then they won't be They're They're a good team. All these teams on their schedule are at least, you know, good teams, like our average teams, at, you know, at, at best, they have not played a bad team yet. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's, it's Gruden's going to have to improve. Right. But I, I'm also scared that Gruden is what he is. And, and that's, uh, and, and that we're stuck with that for seven more years. So I am scared of that because I, I see it in every game, the running calls, I can almost yell it out on my TV, like run, you know what I mean? I could, I like, you know, you played football. You can understand when you're, you're on the sideline, you're running when it's, you yell run, when it's a run play. I feel like I can do that from oh, my yeah. couch when I see these plays coming. And, you know, if the run game's not there, Josh Jacobs is, is under, is he's, he's averaging lower yards per carry than Derek McFadden in t- 2012 per Josh Dubow. And it's like, it's right. like under three and a half. It's, it's rough, you know? And, and yeah. part of that is cause I don't think Josh Jacobs is healthy. I think he's banged up all over the place. He, he, all, Brandon Parker stepped on him today. Brandon Parker found a way to affect every, you know, he found a way to affect other people in this game. And, and um, so I think with a healthy Josh Jacobs, right. I think Josh Jacobs simply isn't healthy right now. And I think with the healthy offensive line back incognito is the key to the run game. He always has been with him and Hudson and Jackson in there. I think that the, Ra- the Raiders are, are one-dimensional on offense right now. That's what people aren't, aren't talking about. They're one-dimensional. They're not running the ball. And in a John Gruden offense with a first-round running back and a good offensive line, this offense isn't clicking on all cylinders yet. So I think you can start seeing the Raiders like blowing teams out to where the defense doesn't matter. I, I expect that to happen. It's funny because you refer to yourself as the Rich Paul to the Trent Brown. Clutch yes, Clutch Sports. Rich, uh, Correct. Uh, Equivalent sports, right? Listen, Trent Brown, I get it. I understand the frustration, the cryptic tweets. He's shopping for fancy handbags while he's causing this fiasco. Listen, when Trent Brown's in the lineup, and and go watch that All-22 of Kansas City, he makes an impact on the run game. He just swallows people. The guy's like 6'8", 330, and he can move for his size. We need Trent Brown back. I will turn the other eye. Trent Brown could do whatever he wants. As long as he's in the lineup and ready to go on Sunday – we need him. I'm telling you, who needs the most? Josh Jacobs needs Trevor Ramos because he is a difference maker. 
Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna actually talk to Trent and get you on the payroll because that was yeah. incredible oh, yeah. uh, for Clutch Sports here for, for Trent Brown, Trent Brown Sports. No, <laughs> that's my exactly my take. <laughs> I know, I understand, I see the frustration, but have you seen him play? That's always my take. Like he's good. Stop scaring away good talent from our team. Like you know, what I mean, yeah. that's always been my my thing to Raider Nation. He can play. We're just gonna have to cope with that for a little bit. So, um, yeah, I, I you know. It, it was going to be a downer episode today. I'm glad you're here because I, I would have been a lot more depressed. But it's uh, <laughs> I, I I think three and three is okay. Look, you could look at it as zero zero. Season starts today. How about yeah. that? You know what I mean? Like like and I think that uh, that that the Raiders they're they're their own worst enemy too. Like they they lose to teams. Yeah. Tampa Bay has a great defense, right? Tampa Bay has a great defense. That front four was not allowing Jacobs and the offensive line to get to those undersized linebackers. They weren't allowing that to happen. It was, it was great the, the way they played. They didn't blitz a lot on, on, on Derek Carr. They didn't have to, right? So didn't have to. they didn't have to. And what I, I just, I, I expect this to get better. I, I don't know. It's not that doom and gloom that I had last year a little bit when it, when it really yeah. started falling apart. I just don't have that yet. So you got any last thoughts before we get out of here, Mike? Today's October 25th. This is my first time jumping on the Rock Vegas podcast. Yeah. And it's an honor to be here. I'm very excited to be here. So I'm going to speak it into existence. I'm going to put it out there in the universe for everybody to hear. This is a wild card team. This Raiders team will be a wild card team. I have that level of confidence. What we do in the playoffs, that's a whole other conversation. But I do think with this expanded playoffs, we can finish eight and eight or nine and seven, and that will be enough to get us in three and three after a very tough start. There are going to be greener pastures coming up. And I can leave you with that. I am confident going forward. We got to get guys back. Got to play a little bit better on defense, but we're good enough offensively that we could, we could sneak out eight wins, nine wins potentially. Yeah. And one last thing I want to get in and we're going to, we're going to close it out soon is Brian Edwards coming back. There were a couple deep shots yeah. in the game to rugs. One thing I like when rugs got, look, there were some hands to the face going on there early. There was a, a part in that in where rugs and then Gafford had, kind of some PI on him still should have caught the ball, but it would have offset because of illegal formation. None, none, yeah. nonetheless, Brian Edwards coming back. I think those deep balls down the field become better contested catch opportunities for, for Brian Edwards. I think Brian Edwards really rounds out the wide receiver core. So I know we didn't get to that today as far as him coming back. He's kind of forgotten about ever since he got injured in new England. I think his run blocking has been phenomenal. And I think that when he comes back, it's going to give them a nice intermediate, sometimes deep threat, where um, kind of not like DK Metcalf, he's not that kind of athlete, but I think he can be that guy in the Raiders offense. So, um, so Mike, I really appreciate you joining me. Go ahead and plug your podcast um, and, and, and anything you want promoted on here, okay? Absolutely. So if you have not listened to my podcast before, it is the Autumn Wind Podcast. You can find us on all streaming platforms, Apple, Spotify, anywhere you like to listen to podcasts. We're available. And we're also on Twitter at autumn wind pod and instagram under the same handle and i look forward to linking up with g rock g yeah. money rock vegas no, you, you make the call man you make the call i'm there man no no problem <laughs> no i appreciate you joining me i was a guest um I, I it wouldn't make sense for you guys to go back and listen to the preview but i'm just saying i was a guest <laughs> yesterday on there it was great well-run podcast and um i i if you subscribe to me subscribe to to mike over there at, at autumn wind pod um yeah um so that's it raider nation and don't get too down three and three season starts today zero zero record look at it like that so um this is rock vegas i'm at glenn rockney he's he's mike cowry from at autumn wind pod um yeah that's it raider nation everybody have a safe week all right <laughs>